Hello and welcome back to episode 31 of Double Reel. This is the second reel of our monthly magazine-style podcast for film nerds. Hopefully you've caught up with the first reel, had a brief intermission, and refueled ready to take on this mighty second installment of Nerdy Film Chat. If you haven't caught the first reel yet, please do go back to your app and download and listen to it so you're up to date with all the features we've covered already this month. These include our roundup of news and spotlight on some of the films we watched this month, our classic and recommended feature Alphaville, our hidden gem Outland, the one that got away about David Fincher's rendezvous with Rama, and our remake Hate Watch of The Day the Earth Stood Still. Now in Reel 2 we bring you our big conversation where we tackle a weighty topic and give it a fuller, i.e. longer discussion. First, a very warm welcome back to my co-host James Adamson. Thank you very much, let's get into it. So this month our big conversation continues our, our sci-fi theme for the episode, uh, so it's science fiction films and predicting the future, sort of how how futuristic films have done in the past at predicting uh, the future, you know, how that looks today, because, you know, a lot of films have come out which predicted what the world we live in today would be like. And also kind of, you know, if we look at what, what is being predicted for, you know, the future ahead of us in films, what does that look like? Um, often not very good, but let's have a look at it. <laughs> um, so for me, I mean, my... When I was a kid, like, there was this definite kind of idea that... Uh, there was this real technologically advanced society ahead of us, but in 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 like a, in like a big tech kind of way, you know. The sixties had, you know, when you think about it, in the nineteen sixties, they'd gone from nothing to like jet planes and landing on the moon, and they predicted that in the twenty first century we'd all be living in space, kind of thing. There's definitely that kind of that kind of vibe to the predictions of of, of films. I know it's much more recent for you because you're you know you're you're still a young man, but growing up, what did what did sci-fi predicting the future look like to you in the films that you watched and like the the, 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 the future that, that films kind of conjured up for you at that time? I'm really trying to rack my brain because I tried to, before we did this, think what other than, you know, Back to the Future and, you know, I suppose 2001 and these kind of films that, you know, kind of hypothesise about the future. Um. What when I was say about five, what films were kicking about that kind of showed? Sort of in in the early two thousands. Um, well, let's have a look. Early two thousands type films that predicting what would happen. Um, so, Children of Men came out in about two thousand and six, but that probably would have passed you by. Um, there's definitely kind of. I mean, Blade Runner. Blade Runner predicted is set in twenty nineteen. Avatar is set in 2019. Um, the sci-fi anime uh, Akira is set in 2019. There's an old movie called what? An older movie called Reign of Fire about dragons like destroying the earth and like the gorilla fighting, uh, taking them on. That's set in about 2019. And I guess the Terminator. The Terminator is set round about now, as well. So those films kind of, uh, you know, were films that would have been around for you, kind of predicting, you know, um, what the early, you know, this part of the 21st century would look like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's quite hard to think. I think the films I would have probably gone to would have probably been something like Back to the Future if I was being totally honest, because there's not there weren't many films in say nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and five that sort of speculated what was going to happen. No, they're, 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 they're usually speculating a lot like further away, aren't they? Um, I suppose Minority Report is the closest thing we have, and that was set in like twenty fifty something. Yeah, and that I was mean, speculating that we would have. Um, driverless cars that ran on hydrogen and things like that so yeah i mean what what we're going to go we're going to i'm going to go through a few films and you can you know drop you know go through a few films you're on about you know what they predicted and what what happens is is that 
predictions come true, but not necessarily in the way that you mean. And often things come true in, in some cases. I mean, a really obvious example is in Star Trek in, in the 60s original series, people would walk up to a door and it would just open for them and they'd walk through it. And that looked like yeah. the fucking height of, of futuristic worlds, right? <laughs> and to do that in the 1960s, they needed two guys, two kind of members of the production team, to literally move the doors for you and then move them back, right? But that was something that kind of made what the the 23rd century in in deep space was going to look like. Now, every fucking shop's got those now. Do you know what I mean? So the the stuff about kind of, you know, living on the moon hasn't come true, but a lot of little details do. Partly because once you've imagined it in a film, some some sci-fi fan grows up to be a scientist and bloody invents it for real. Do you know what I mean? So often you will get, like in 2001, they had iPads, you know? Lots of little details like that often come true in films. You know what I mean? If you if you look up an article and go, you know, film, films that correctly predicted the future, they'll come up with like, this film predicted, you know, driverless cars or the internet or, you know, virtual reality. Those are the things that they predict. The bigger things are much harder to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you go back to like, like the, you know, the earliest, earliest science fiction films and how they predicted the future, there's a movie called Things to Come that came out in 1936. And it's based on a book H.G. Wells wrote in the early 30s. And that's the interesting thing, because H.G. Wells was writing like 1897, uh, like when he wrote All the Worlds, and he's writing in the early 1900s, but he's still alive and writing in the 30s. And he writes this chilling prediction of the Second World War. Now, in 1936, maybe it's not that difficult to predict the Second World War, you know, because Hitler's already risen and everything else. Mm, yeah. But he predicts that about five years from the future that, that, that he's writing about, there will be a global war. And he predicted that it would um, last 20 years and destroy civilization, which actually is not that wild a prediction. I mean, it could have gone that way. Do you know what I mean? If we hadn't won or if things hadn't kind of turned out, maybe that maybe that could happen. Do you know what I mean? The other thing about predictions in films is it's not you shouldn't necessarily write off a film just because the prediction doesn't come true because they might predict something that was a very real possibility if things hadn't gone differently, you know? Yeah. Uh, it also predicted that the, that war would contain uh, bombs that would cause mass destruction, but also contamination and sickness. And that's a really interest, interesting thing to predict in the 1930s, because the atomic bomb was invented, you know, less than 10 years after that. Yeah, that is, that is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but the, the further out the predictions go, the less accurate they tend to be, which is quite predictable. In, in that version, in 1936, they, they make things to come, and they predict that by 1970... By 1970, the world is a sort of Mad Max environment. Right. And then some futurists in togas, because they're always in togas. I don't know how many old sci-fi films you watch, but in the future, everyone wears togas, Roman togas. <laughs> um, and they usher in a new technological age. But they do predict, in, in 1936, H.G. Wells' film, or the film they made based on his story, predict that by 1970, would have put a, rocket, a man on the moon. And that's not a bad prediction. They predict 1970, and it happened in 1969. Wow. Um, and then you've got 1984, George Orwell's classic, which predicts what would happen in the future if we keep doing what's happening in the present. So it's not it's not fair to say it's inaccurate just because it didn't turn out, because he was warning about totalitarianism, and totalitarianism was a real thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. But like we said, you know, uh, eternal sunshine in the spot of, you know, it's, it's more likely that films will be able to predict a thing. Do you know what I mean? For example, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is one of my favourite films, comes in about 2004. Now, that predicted that we would have the technology to erase memories, to deal with, you know, to erase a traumatic memory that you don't want to remember anymore. And that is now being done to PTSD sufferers, believe it or not. Wow. 
I don't think they do it with a machine. I think it might be like a form of hypnosis or something like that. But they're now actually, again, this is me reading it up. I might have misread the article. What they're saying is people suffering from serious PTSD, like war veterans and stuff, they're actually saying, well, what if we can stop them remembering the thing that's giving them the trauma? It's part of their treatment. And uh, the, the Terminator in 84, it, it hasn't accurately predicted that the, the world would be destroyed by nuclear you know, weapons and that like the machines would be in charge, right? But they did predict drone aircraft, like pilotless planes that could fly over and bomb targets. That's the thing. Uh, in 1987, the Running Man predicted a decaying United States in the early 21st century with an authoritarian government and a population distracted by gladiatorial reality TV shows. That's actually pretty accurate. Yes, and and the Truman <laughs> sh- while the Truman Show was only predicting the very very near future, it, it it sort of predicted like the prevalence of reality television. You know, so do you reckon they're actively hypothesizing? Because you know, for a film like Back to the Future, they're saying, well, in twenty twenty, we could have these kind of things. Or Minority Report, it's set in twenty fifty seven, so we probably have to show that it's twenty fifty seven. I reckon we'll have cars that are driving themselves by this point, and iRobot has you know like chefs that are robots and all those kind of things. But you um, know. It's interesting. I think um, I think different filmmakers, different storytellers have different intentions. But I think I think you make a very interesting point. I don't think they're always literally saying this is what the future is exactly going to be like. I am predicting this. Often they are. Some of it is imagining, like in Back to the Future, they they imagine that they'll be they'll be on Jaws thirty. Do you know what I mean? They'll they'll have been like twenty five Jaws <laughs> sequels. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't think they were actively saying. I predict that there will be, in 2015, there will be another dual sequel, and therefore, if I'm wrong, you can completely fuck my film off altogether. I think what they're saying is they're kind of saying, I'm looking at stuff, I'm looking around at stuff that's happening now, and I'm, I'm imagining, they, sometimes they're just using their imagination. Do you know what I mean? And, and often these films contain, often these films contain one or two things specifically that they're interested, that, that they're predicting. Do you know what I mean? Like Minority Report is predicting... Um, specifically is predicting in the future there will be investigating or, or enforcing the law based on crimes that people will or could commit in the future. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's exploring that idea. And I think a lot of the rest of it, especially given that Minority Report was a short story written by Philip K. Dick, where he, he in a short story you can just focus on your one idea. But if you then make a movie about it, you've got to kind of build the whole world. because people. Do you know what I mean? Because these happen, these these things happen on a street. What does the street look like? Do you know what I mean? He drives in a car. What does the car look like? So you have to then go and imagine. So some of it, I think, they, they there are different priorities in films about. Yeah, they're imagining that just to make it look cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there are a few things where they're saying, well, wouldn't it be interesting if this happens? Not necessarily. This is exactly what will happen. So I think it varies. I think it varies from film to film. I mean, back, back back to the future is. I mean, it's just a fun movie. Do you know what I mean? But there are some things that they, you know, predict like hoverboards and you know stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And uh, sometimes it's it's interesting to sift through sometimes and see the details they get right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a movie called Lawnmower Man from the 90s. I, I'm, I bet you've never seen it. No, no. So the Lawnmower Man is uh, mostly rubbish, but it, it's um, vir- virtual reality was, was... The internet was happening and computers were getting more um, 
uh, more sophisticated. And so they made a film that imagined going beyond that. Imagine one day there'll be virtual reality where you can actually wear a headset and you can actually see inside the computer, which didn't exist in the time. And while the film is crap and the special effects, I went to see that at the cinema and I remember saying to my mate, oh, the special effects were really good, even though the film was crap. And you look back at it now and the special effects are shit. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. It's so dated, but it predicts virtual reality quite well. I mean, if you've ever kind of borrowed a, a or seen a MetaQuest or whatever like headset and put it on, they, they, they got it right. That can be a bit self-fulfilling, right? Because w- would, would that have happened if no one had ever predicted it in a movie? Do you know what I mean? If no one had planted the seed of that idea, would it look like that? Yeah. Because sometimes I think people are, can't help but imitate the movies they've seen or the cultural phenomena that they've... Um, uh, that they've absorbed um, when they're, you know, when they're getting their ideas. Uh, another one is um, Videodrome. I've talked about David Cronenberg before, which is obviously full of lots of David Cronenberg weirdness, which hasn't come true. But you know what it did predict? Way back in 1983, it predicted a future in which user-generated content would overtake traditional media as what what is being made and what is being watched. Wow. And I think that's really interesting. The little details like that always like, like, fascinate me. Not the blatantly obvious ones, like, we'll have fucking flying cars and yeah. fucking realistic fucking sex robots. It's- yeah, it's, and, and I, think it's, I think it's where people who are making the films, they're studying human nature. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you watch Black Mirror, Black Mirror's... It's obviously about the technology, but it's about take a technology and give that to a human and watch what that human does with it. Do you know what I mean? It's actually examining human nature a lot more than it's examining te- examining technology. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's where the interesting stuff comes out. Um, here's a couple of films, and you you might you might have, I don't think you've seen the net. Have you seen Have you seen the net with um, Sandra Bullock? It's like a nineties thriller. Uh, no, I haven't. But that again, a lot of the details of that are really dated because they were trying to do hacking in the internet in 1995. And you, you'll find that there's a cutoff point before about the year 2000, where the people making the films don't know the first fucking thing about technology, right? So all their guesses about technology tend to be a bit iffy. But it did predict digital data theft. It did predict that there would be a whole industry built around hacking into, um, you know, hacking into systems and stealing the data, and that being like a form of a form of crime that would become the biggest thing in the future. And that kind of is true, right? And, you know, we briefly talked about Enemy of the State on a previous podcast, which is chillingly accurate about what the surveillance state would look like in the near future. Pretty much everything in the Enemy of State, even though some of that was prediction, and that wasn't, strictly speaking, a sci-fi film, that's all come true. Satellites that can, like, like zoom in and see what you're doing inside a building. All of that shit, that is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely right. And you mentioned Minority Report for the driverless cars, right? But do you remember some of the other stuff they've got in there? Um, uh, eye scanning, eye scanning, activating technology. Yeah, well, that's, that's that, sort of a thing, though. That is sort of a thing that, and also personalized invasive advertising based on who you are. Do you know what I mean? You click on it, on Mister Adamson. You recently, I don't know, bought a cloth for your car. Would you like to buy another cloth for your car? Would you like to buy another car? Do you need new tires for your car? All of that shit, do you know what I mean? Whether someone is storing information on what you've looked at and what you've bought and sending you personalised ads based on it, that, 2002, was not a thing, but it's in the, it's in the movie and, and it happens to Tom Cruise. Do you remember it? It happens because he's got someone else's eyeballs now and he gets a completely different set of adverts. Yeah. That's quite interesting. But, yeah. But do you reckon, like, do you reckon Spielberg was even, like, thinking that, say, 
when did that film come out 2002 so say that film so do you reckon you're thinking in 20 years time it might not necessarily be like this but there'll be adverts based on who you are I suppose it's a little bit different because these adverts are based on what they're listening into I think it's these things I mean films always have so many kind of different authors don't they I mean the Minority Reports was a short story by Philip K. Dick they were then looking to do a sequel to Total Recall but they couldn't because Total Recall was a hit so they said well let's see if we can do something else and they tried to build on that and in the end they realised they couldn't do that but they realised there was another Philip K. Dick story that was quite interesting so they did Minority Report so these films have these long gestation periods you know and there are different reasons people are making the movie right yeah. and then you've got two screenwriters let me look at their names um, there's uh, Gary Goldman first optioned it and then Scott Frank and John Cohen wrote screenplay I, I think I think that's an example of the central idea of true crime is is taken as the central starting point and then various people who are having inputs into the film put in other things they find interesting and say, oh yeah, do you know what would be interesting if this happened, if that happened? And they're probably looking at trends at the time. They're probably looking at technology and advertising trends at the time. But I don't think Spielberg sat down and said he wanted to make a movie about that. Do you know what I mean? But I think what happens yeah. is that when people start when people start thinking about the future, they can find some interesting things out just by looking at what's been happening, what are people like, what could happen. And some, obviously some of the things they, that they predict are absolute bollocks, but it's always interesting. You can cherry pick some really interesting stuff that people realise, yeah? Yeah, no, totally. Um, I'm trying to think, is there like, is there like a film that like accidentally, because I know like the Simpsons are quite good for this, where they, they accidentally predict loads of things and, do you reckon thought goes into it or not at all? Um, oh, sorry. Well, let not... me sorry. Let me rephrase that because obviously thought fucking goes into it in the writing of script. Ugh. But do you reckon when they write those things, they say right, this film's ten years in the future, so uh, Lindsay Lohan's going to be president. You do see... you reckon it's as throwaway as that, or do you reckon it's? I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes the, the, the more they let their imagination run riot, the more interesting stuff comes out. And I know these like Simpsons films, they have writer's rooms where they've probably kind of thrown out a million ideas and the ones that the most interesting sort of rise to the top of the tree. You know, and they, you know, when they predicted like Donald Trump would be president, it was kind of like, that is chillingly on the nose, but it's probably more about what they, what they were writing about at the time was like the rise of like personality based politics. And what, what, what's the, what's the logical conclusion of that? Do you know what I mean? So sometimes they're just coming out with the maddest idea that they can possibly think of, right? Yeah. And thought has gone into it because they're going, well, you know, Ronald Reagan was an actor, you know, uh, you know, Bill Clinton was successful because he's, you know, more, you know, even though Bill Clinton had policies, it seemed like the way he kind of related to people personally seemed to do better. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, um, yeah, those those accidental ones are are interesting. I think the, I mean, I think. There are no true accidents, let me say that. I think it's because what they do is they're looking at trends and if they if they let they give their imagination free reign, they'll come up with lots of interesting stuff. I mean, here's, here's an example. Um, Blade Runner. No one talks uh -huh. about this. No one talks about this aspect of Blade Runner because we're all talking about Rucker Hauer and the future vision and all that sort of thing. And obviously Blade Runner hasn't come true. It, it, it was set in 2019. It hasn't come true, right? But they predict that all the hairstyles and clothes and like, you know, fashion of the time will be from the 1940s. 
Now, while that is not true, that's a departure from other science fiction films who always predicted that whatever the current fashion was would never be surpassed. Do you know what I mean? Everyone in the 60s, in futuristic films, have got 60s hairstyles because no one will ever better this. Do you know what I mean? Whereas what Ridley Scott did is says, well, he, he picked up on the fact that people are often going back to old eras. Yeah. And while in the 2010s, didn't people think of, didn't go back to the um, uh, the the 40s? They sure as hell went back to the 80s. Do you know what I mean? And when I was younger, we had whole periods where people like 60s and 70s fashions and stuff came back in and out of style. And that sort of stuff is is interesting. I think if you sometimes looking around the fringe, fringes of films, you actually see the really good predictions. And like I said, there's no accidents. It's if people people who've got a good eye let their imagination run free. I think that's how that's how those things happen. So they're they're accidental, but not if you see what I mean. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No, I get you. And like it's like uh, this is one. This is probably a self fulfilling prophecy because there's so many kind of geeks who went on to be scientists. But like Star Trek in the '60s and then developed and advanced in in, in Next Generation in the '80s and '90s predicted handheld personal devices which aren't just communication but do other tasks as well. Yeah. And now that 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 is an absolutely central part of, of modern life now, isn't it? And it's, you know, that that's the sort of thing where someone looked at, oh, that'd be cool. Do you know what I mean? They probably watched Dick Tracy when they were a kid and Dick, Dick Tracy had a, a watch radio. You could talk to your watch. And they just said, well, what's, what's the cool futuristic version of that? And then in the end... Everyone who's ever designed a, a, a consumer IT product, you know, in, in the 40 years since has looked at what's cool, looked at what people have predicted and seen how many of them can really happen. So some of it's an accident. Some of it's once you predict it, you've almost, you've almost put it out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what do you what do you think films are crap, you know, not very good at predicting in, in futuristic films? Um I feel like you've got an example here, so why don't you lead an example and see if you can inspire me? Okay. Um I've already said futuristic films are often really hopeless about what people will wear in their hairstyles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because obviously. It, because it's like everyone in like 1970s films set in the future, why have they all got sideburns and flared trousers? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, what happened was is they everyone ended up getting back, like getting haircuts that Marines fucking had and ended up growing beards again like the Vikings. So there's yeah. no fucking chance you can predict that. Yeah, yeah. it's impossible. Um, and... It definitely, it's it's a it's a constant trend in the uh, in 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 the in like the sixties and seventies is that in the twentieth century we went from in nineteen o three, the Wright brothers flew a plane ten foot off the ground at about eight miles an hour and went less than a hundred yards. That's the first manned machine flight. Yeah, by nineteen sixty nine we had put a man on the moon. And I think what a lot of people did was they almost like drew a line on the graph and said from 1903 to 1969, we've developed this much. If we continue this rate of development, we will be living on Jupiter. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that informs so many predictions about what we would do next. And that just turned out not to be true because we'd already reached a peak. I mean, jet engines, jet aircraft haven't really moved forward that much. They don't go much faster. They don't, you know, the planes don't look much different. They don't carry that many more people. They don't look different to where they did decades ago, right? Same with space flight. We've, we've got to the moon. We haven't got any further. Do you know what I mean? All right, we've sent unmanned craft quite far out, but we haven't cracked any of those nuts. Do you know what I mean? 
because it's so much easier to kind of draw a development graph. It's like, well, the infrastructure is so difficult to do. You just can't do it. And they missed stuff that they couldn't possibly have known. That no, They didn't really know how computers were going to develop from uh. them. They had these ideas of like all-powerful computers, but no one at that time... See, you and I, right? Even even me, although I didn't really have much much to do with computers until I was an adult. You've grown up with computers, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas people who'd grown up and were writing sci-fi films in the 60s were aware that computers were a thing, but they'd not grown up with the technology and used it themselves. Uh So that their idea of what computers are going to be like is just completely different. And the microprocessor, the idea is that they always had this idea of these massive computers that would take up a whole building, but they would have like a sentient, a voice and a sentient person in charge, and they'd be called Macron, and they will control you, and you will talk to them. Do you know what I mean? Computer, what happens next? And you can talk to you can talk to Alexa. Do you know what I mean? But technology doesn't behave in any of those ways. Do you know what I mean? But if you look at what Charlie Brooker does, I know this is television, and the way he looks at technology now he's lived and breathed technology he's so much better at predicting technology do you know what i mean because technology was so new then it was so new then they could not possibly get it right so that's the sort of thing about like you know inaccurate films you know what i mean yeah um i don't know um i think any film that i've seen that not necessarily is trying to predict the future but what was that film that chris hemsworth is in that um, took three years to come out. It was about North Korea invading, Red Dawn or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think any film like that that tries to predict a war, especially in a country like the US where North Koreans are just going to fucking airdrop in and take over the most powerful military power in the world. I know I've worded that very badly, but no, no fucking country is airdropping in on America and just taking over the country like that, especially a shithole like North Korea. You know, like, I hate films like that where they think, oh, yeah, we need a film, like, that's, you know, urban, um, an an urban, like, kind of warfare film. Let's have it in fucking suburban LA. You know, they never put any thought into it. It's... That annoys me, but that's just a kind of pet peeve of mine. Uh, That's not necessarily predicting the future, but... Um, I'm trying to think of like a specific technology that they thought. Do you know what I think they've predicted very badly? Is like you know the kind of Tony Stark thing where they have these big kind of like computers in thin air. Yeah. Because it's in Minority Report, and I imagine it's in iRobot too. Yeah. But like they're they're standing there and they're just like yeah Jarvis and they like throw their hand and it starts scrolling and stuff like that. Yeah. Like they sort of tried that with things like. It's similar, supposed to like you remember like the Nintendo Wii, but you were actually holding a kind of remote that was horrendously calibrated mm-hmm. i feel like they've kind of pushed the ball out with that i could be wrong but yeah. i don't feel like we're quite yeah, and, there and, yet yeah and you know what we might we might never get there and i'll tell you for why is because that that and this has happened this is why like futuristic films often predict like that we would have knocked down every old building yeah. and replaced it with a new one and you just wouldn't do that who could afford to do that who would who would who would put up with that? The National Trust would say, "Fuck you! That's a listed building. You're not knocking that down. I don't care how cool skyscraper is in your build because it's really easy for someone to do a CGI like illustration or, or create some models of like future New York. Do you know what I mean? But the reality is, people are living in houses that were built in the 1930s because they like them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that look they never got because there's a difference between what looks good in a movie. Do you know what I mean? And what is fun to imagine. And what's actually going to happen? For ex- and the thing with that technology is, that obviously looks nice because you can actually see people. They had some of it in Black Panther last night, but like they're waving their arms in a virtual screen, kind of illuminates. Going, oh yes, change that, move that to here. It looks good, right? 
looking at your phone is not very cinematic. But actually, there's a huge demand from users to have mobile devices because you want to you want to be able to order that or click that or choose that while you're fucking on the train home. Do you know what I mean? Or while you're while you're having a cup of coffee at your table, you don't want to go upstairs to your laptop. Do you know what I mean? And I think the de- the problem will be is unless there is the demand for that kind of technology, and they're never going to do it because people want it on their phone. People want it on a mobile device. They don't yeah. want they don't want big and movies want big because it looks good on a screen. You know? Does it? Does it ruin your enjoyment when a film is like hopelessly inaccurate? Um, yes, I. You know, you know me. I'm very OCD. I'm very particular about the way things should be done, and I fucking despise when being from Scotland and uh, liking my history. It really annoys me when people say, "Oh, I love Braveheart. Braveheart's a great film." Braveheart is a big fucking steaming pile of shite. Mm-hmm. It is. And and the story of William Wallace is rich enough as it is without having to lie about it. Mm-hmm. The well, more interesting if you actually read up the story. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The <clears throat> and I don't want to bore people with it because everyone's heard it before. But there are there are things that are fundamental to that story that need to be told because the battle that he beats the English in was won because of a bridge. There's no sign of a bridge. He shags the French princess. Didn't happen. She was three years old when he fucking died. Mm-hmm. So I don't appreciate the inference that William Wallace, one of Scotland's greatest heroes, was a nonce. Yeah, and Stuart, um, Stuart Lee does a brilliant stand-up routine about that. You should look it up on YouTube. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, and he didn't have to tell that story without any lies. He does kill the fucking sheriff of Lanark, and it's fucking it's he's he's Scotland's like greatest badass, but it fails to tell the story of Robert the Bruce properly, and. Yeah, things like that really kind of piss me off. So if it's not... I mean, I'm not going to be that kind of guy who, you know, sits and watches Avengers and goes, well, that's not very realistic when Iron Man fucking brings down a flying worm with one punch. But if you're going to make a fucking film that's meant to be a, a biographical film, then that has to be pretty accurate. But I don't, get, yeah, I, I don't get annoyed at predictions. You know what it, I mean? You can't get annoyed at predictions, can you? Like, it's, it's, I guess it's to do with the intentions of the film. Do you know what I mean? It depends yeah. how, how seriously they're intending it and how much they, how much the, the film rests on it. I mean, I mean to, 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 to use a, an example, I mean, Back to the Future Part 2 will no doubt be on television at some point soon. Yeah. It always is. And that's set in the year 2015, right? And, you know, it's the, the rest of the Back to the Future storylines are set in the, the 50s and the 80s and, and the 19th century. And that's not about predicting what the future is going to be like. So this is the only film that's part two is the only bit where it happens. The, if you watch that now, 2015 has already happened. You can watch Blade Runner now. 2019 has already happened. If you watch these films and you see how much the world is not like the way they predicted it, like if you were to go to LA now, it's nothing like Ridley Scott's vision of, of, of future Los Angeles. Does that bother you? Does that does that ruin the film for you? Nah, not really. I think that's the that's the most important thing about like a sci-fi prediction film is that they kind of get that leeway, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if... if you know, Ridley Scott wants um, Blade Runner to look like that, and it doesn't end up looking like that by the time that film is set. That's no big deal because that's the beauty of predictions. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you predict England to fucking win the World Cup and they don't, well, ha ha, get up, you. Mm-hmm. But you know, you no, know, you, you can't be wrong for that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think I do get a little bit annoyed when it's just super far fetched and it's yeah. trying to be realistic. Like I, yeah. I, the stuff in Blade Runner is scary because I feel like it could be real. 
Yeah, again, I think it's like any of these things. If the if the filmmaker makes it work for you as a story, you can yeah. give a lot, can't you? And and especially if it's just intended in fun, do you know what I mean? This is set in the year twenty nine sixty nine. It's like I don't even care if any of this is true. I just want to enjoy the the exciting world that they've painted. You know, I mean, an example for me. And to be fair, I watched this when it was the 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 setting was still in the future. But if I watch it now, I still love it, even though it is the most really desperately, pathetically inaccurate kind of prediction of the future that there's ever been. And that's um, Escape from New York. <laughs> See, I watched that in the early '80s. You know, by the time it had come out on on video, but it came out in 1981, predicting what New York would be like and predicting what America would be like in 19, 1997. And it's all wrong. The Cold War is still raging. The Soviet Union is kind of dominating, and the, you know it's, they've they've gone into they've actually gone into all-out war. The you know it predicts that like the government will be changed. It predicts that kind of New York will be this completely like overtaken kind of hellscape, and all of these things. It's all absolutely hopeless. Do you know what I mean? None none of it works as a prediction. I just love it as a movie. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't bother me in the slightest watching it now going, that didn't turn out. You know, New York in the 90s was quite nice, you know? Um, Yeah, that's interesting. Sorry, so do you find yourself not getting, like, annoyed at predictions, but for me, I don't give a shit. Do you give a shit? Like, if they don't... um, Do you actually? I find that that really interesting. I'm not sure. I'll tell you what, I, I think it... If I go back to older sci-fi, it's not that it bothers me or that, that it, it makes me angry, but it does kind of lessen the impact of a film when they... It's because... I think it's the idea that in nineteen in 1970, the year 2000 seemed like a really long way away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the world didn't change that much. Do you know what I mean? So this idea that like people were predicting... You know, like I, I, re- I read like a lot of sci-fi by um, Philip K. Dick, and I do love his writing. But it's like he wrote, he wrote, he would write these books set in nineteen, written in nineteen sixty, set in nineteen seventy-eight, with the world's completely different. And that yeah. does I kind of go, oh, come on, do you know what I mean? But I, I, I'm, able, I'm usually able to put it to one side. But sometimes you watch, sometimes you watch older films predicting the future, and it, and it, it, it you, you almost go, ah, oh, blessed, they thought that would happen. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't annoy me, but sometimes I get it. Kind of goes, ah. Right. weren't they silly thinking that would happen there's like a there's an episode of Space 1999 again this is TV rather than a film and that, that was made in the 1970s right it predicted that we would be living on the moon in moon bases in 1999 and then the early 21st century we'd be able to travel at the speed of light in spaceships but it would take a computer 8 hours to calculate how how long how quickly they're going to get to their destination Right, okay. And that is like the complete opposite. There's, we can't travel any faster now than we could in 1974, but our computers operate much, much faster than that. Do you know what I mean? But they just could not conceive of... Do you know what I mean? I think there's a cut-off point. And after that cut-off point, they're getting much, much better at predicting the details of technology. And prior to that, it's a bit shaky. It's like everyone in the future is wearing a toga. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Something that annoyed me in the um, in the Walking Dead was, you know, um, those junkyard characters, the ones who like they they look like they were from a from a uh, from an art school pop video. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they they lived in a junkyard and they they'd all given themselves new names and they talked in an entirely new language. Right. So it's only been three fucking years. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) It's only been three years of the apocalypse and already you think you're in fucking Mad Max and we don't use verbs anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking bollocks. I just think 
So predictions being wrong doesn't bother me, but like hopeless, like I think it's an example is that when we talked about Akiva Goldsman in the remake Hate Watch, if the person doing it doesn't really do the genre properly, they will do shit things with it. Do you know what I mean? Good sci-fi by people who actually respect the genre and are trying to do something interesting with their with their predictions. They usually come up with something good, even if it doesn't actually end up being accurate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And really what you're doing is good sci-fi is about picking up existing trends and imagining what would happen if they continue. And that is always interesting. Yeah, no, that you're right. It is interesting. Um, I suppose there's such a wide scope actually now with that now that I think about it for the things they can predict, but also the scope for those things to go completely wildly wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, sci-fi is such a broad genre anyway. I mean, sci-fi doesn't necessarily need to mean a film set in the future. I mean, the original day the Earth stood still is is made in 1951 and set in 1951. It's just about a space alien coming. Do you know what I mean? So you don't have to write about the future. And even if you are writing about the future, you're always writing about something else, really. And usually that's what's interesting. Do you know what I mean? I mean, some people are genuine futurists. Arthur C. Clarke, for example, and Rendezvous with Rama, if that's ever made, that is a film that is genuinely physically interested in what will the future be like? What will technology be like in the future? How, what will space travel be like in the future? And some films are genuinely interested in that. Some writers yeah. are genuinely trying to build that world. And other people are just going, this is a cool story. Imagine if this happens. And I'm 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 up for both. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So futuristic. I mean, sci-fi. Sci-fi can be many different things. Anyway, when you think about sci-fi, some sci-fi films are just sci-fi films, but some of them are sci-fi action films, or sci-fi horror, or sci-fi police thrillers. Do you know what I mean? Sci-fi is just the setting, really, a lot of the time. Yeah. I I thought it would be interesting. I, I did a little list here, and I thought it would be interesting to see your your reaction to this about. Um, what films predicted for the 2010s and 2020s and, and what generally, you know, and, and how the, the world has actually ended up looking. Okay. Um, 2019, famous film set in 2019. Blade Runner. Right. Avatar. Huh. Uh, Akira. Blade Runner's not set in 20... No, not Blade Runner. Avatar's not set in 2019, is it? Apparently, apparently it is. I mean, this is, you know, no. the, I, I mean, I looked this up in a list. I mean, I, I mean, I'll double check it, but I think it's one of those ones where... It's set in the mid-22nd century. What are you on about? Who wrote oh, that list? I might have balls it up. Yeah, it's set in the year 2154. Why did I think Avatar was set in the in the in in 2019? You I think I fucked that up. silly bastards. So, yeah, so don't mind that. 2019 Blade Runner, Avatar. Sorry, not Avatar, Blade Runner. Fuck's sake. I can't, <laughs> I can't get Avatar out of my head. Avatar set in 2019. Um, it's set in a future where no one never even remembers seeing Avatar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Akira, which is came out in 1988, is like a Japanese anime, which is, to be honest, their future Tokyo looks like future Tokyo now. It's all glass and steel and, and, and cool-looking motorbikes. Um, I think Pacific Rim is set in 2019. Is it? Yeah. Reign of Fire definitely is. That shit one about the dragons. Uh, there's a, a classic old movie um, uh, called Soylent Green. That came out in the early 70s, and its prediction was that overpopulation and famine would result in, spoiler alert, humans being processed for food. Okay. And certainly overpopulation and famine are big problems in, at this time of the, the 21st century, right? It's just a different outcome, do you know what I mean? And those those things, those films are often kind of... They're kind of allegories anyway, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? 
But uh, The Purge, The Purge is set in 2019, the original Purge film. Is it? Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of that, um, obviously Avengers Endgame is set in 2023, but that's not really... That's not predicting futures, that's no. telling stories, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Children of Men is set in 2027. But the idea of a collapsed uh, far-right British government um, uh, using you know illegal immigrants as a stick to beat people with and becoming increasingly authoritarian, that looks pretty accurate at the moment. Mm. Um, Logan, set in 2029. Okay. The future reality of the Terminator franchise is set in 2029. So you know, John, adult John Connor and and Carl Reese, you know, are, 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 you know, are fighting the Terminators in that time and sending Reese back in time from 2029 to the 80s. Uh, Snowpiercer 2031, a world encased in snow and the only survivors are going around the world permanently on a train. Okay, yeah, no, I've seen that. That. That seems scarily, like, uh, scarily likely to happen. To yeah, yeah. The environmental stuff is like pretty good. So, um, twenty thirty five is an interesting one. Some interesting films come out setting in twenty thirty five. Twelve Monkeys, iRobot, and The Martian. Now, iRobot's not going to happen. And that just shows the complete lack of kind of vision and thought that's gone into that movie. Um, the Martian. I mean, The Martian. You know, space travel could have moved on that much in 2035. Do you know what I mean? We can't be thinking. We might be thinking about our first, you know, human mission to to Mars, maybe. Um. Um. Yeah, and I can see it going wrong if Elon Musk's fucking behind it. Yeah, I know it's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? Um. As you go further into the future, these things it becomes, as you say, it's incredibly varied what people are predicting. Um, 2043, the Book of Eli which is like a total apocalypse, you know, dystopia. I mean, if the if an apocalyptic event happens, that could happen. So when Kevin Costner is the postman. Um, but <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Uh, do, you, huh. do you remember the film Looper? Yes. So Looper is set in two time periods. The 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 young Bruce Willis, played by, uh, what's his name? The guy from Inception. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's happening in 2044. And the futuristic period where they've got a time machine is 2074. That's when Looper's set. Okay. Ready Player One is 2045. I don't think that's going to come true. That's just a completely... That's not even meant to be taken, literally. As you <laughs> said, as you said, Minority Report was 2054. Sunshine is 2057. So there's a lot of like similar stuff happening there. And the world of Interstellar, you know, environmental collapse and needing to find a new planet to live on was 2067. So 40 years in the future, basically. Wow, that's uh, okay. I mean, those films you've listed there don't really strike me as films that are trying to be like, oh yeah, this is what's going to happen, kind of thing. Yeah, apart from Minority Report, maybe. apart from Minority Report, but things like obviously Avengers and um, yeah, Terminator. I don't think they've ever tried to speculate that we've got these robots that will come back in time and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of films, a lot of films now are sort of predicting sort of environmental catastrophe is what the world is is facing and what what future kind of future worlds are going to have to deal with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, something like Logan is clearly set in, like, the near future, but isn't, like, predicting a lot about changes to the world, is it? Yeah, because it's more about the story of X-Men, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. But as you get further out into the 21st century, I mean, it, it gets interesting. You basically get to the, the Alien franchise. Now, they've messed up the Alien franchise badly, but the um, the first film, Prometheus, well, not the first film, but the, the earliest set film, Prometheus 2089. Right. 
uh, and then Alien is in 21, 20, 21, 22. So that's set quite far in the future when they originally did it. Okay. Which means um, Ali- which means Aliens is set in twenty one seventy nine. So that's basically set. It's t- talking about the twenty second century. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I suppose when you you don't want to you don't want to look at the story they're trying to predict, but you want to t- look at the kind of things that are in that story that you could maybe say, oh, are we going to have those kind of things? So I suppose interstellar travel is one of them. And I... and colonising other worlds, like terraforming. That's probably the big one in Aliens, isn't it? I mean, yeah. If we have the opportunity to, we will 100% do it. Because we bloody need to, right? Um, yeah, well, it's just, it's just what we're like as a species. Um, whether it's a case of going to Mars where there's no sign of life or whether it's going to a planet where there is intelligent life, yeah, we'll try and colonise the shit out of that. Um, but in terms of technologies, I think the main one from all of those is things like really advanced forms of travel, like interstellar travel, which mm-hmm. I just don't think we'll ever achieve. I, I know you can't, say, you can't say never, but I do think it is just... It, I mean, know, I mean, in Interstellar, I mean, yet. I mean, they base that on some like major kind of science, you know, uh, what's the guy's Kip Thorne or something that like uh, uh, Nolan relies on for his science. But it still, it still depends on one very, very important thing happening: the idea that some somehow you can travel through some sort of wormhole. Do you know what I mean? That's if if it's going to happen, no one's going to invent a drive that can travel that fast or go that far, are they? Yeah, you're, so it's you're not good, got it's a ship. Good. It's like using a wormhole. Yeah, really. that's really what what people are starting to see. And um, the more far forward you go in the future, the more people are just kind of having fun with their, um, you know, just. I think people go into the distant future so they can just write whatever they want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like Starship Troopers is set in the twenty third century. Right. And the Star Trek franchise is mostly set in the 23rd and 24th century. And that's just, that's just them. That's like an optimistic vision of some like future world where everything is kind of quite nice and shiny. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think they've put much thought into how we'll get there. Do you know what I mean? It's just that when they wrote that, that was like 300 years, 300, 400 years in the future. I wonder what things will be like. That's really, it's just to have fun, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the the most distant dates I could find of films predicting the future, and one of these is a bit of a plot spoiler. The year thirty nine seventy eight is the setting for Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that's that's a, ridiculous. That's a bit of a plot spoiler. Um, and June, this is mad. The year the June is set in the year ten thousand one hundred ninety one. So like thousands and thousands of years in the future. Like eight thousand years. From yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And in those, it's kind of. God, anything could happen. Humans might not even exist. You know what I mean? Well, if you go back eight thousand years from our existence, you, you go past the ancient Egyptians. You go yeah, back yeah. You go past you know, like, far you, back. You go, you go past recorded history, don't you? Yeah, there's there's no civilization. Basically, it's just people living in huts. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, one of the things that you know when you talk about two thousand and one, and Interstellar is very similar. Um, this is a bit of a plot spoiler for Interstellar, but I think people who listen to this podcast probably have have seen it. We've talked about it so much. Is that the 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 future that they're interacting with is a future of humans who've evolved to like this incredible like degree? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've evolved to the degree that they can occupy space in like five dimensions and kind of fold space on its half. You know, fold space in half, and it's kind of like. 
the whole thing with space travel, the whole thing with everything else is that some of this is just not, probably not theoretically possible, right? But I think a lot of what's interesting is like, what what will the future do to humans? Do you know what I mean? I think that's that makes good sci-fi stories because hum- you still, it's still, there's still stories about people in the end, aren't they? And, yeah. and, and what what people will do faced with future challenges or scenarios is what you know. That's that's you know that, that these are all what if. These are all what if stories, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I think all stories are kind of like what if stories. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But especially sci-fi. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in terms of what you know, predictions you could make about the future. The stuff about interstellar travel. That the the thing that I find interesting. Stuff that I've read is that. Actual interstellar travel from here to the other side of the universe is most likely not possible because even even when you could create the technology that could travel that far, you would have to kind of set up some sort of space arc. Do you know what I mean? Because it would be the great, 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 great grandchildren of the people who set off on the mission who finished that mission. So all this all this stuff about like aliens coming here, the reason, you know, alien stories are unrealistic is that there may well be alien life and other other planets, and some of that alien life might be like completely different biologically, and that we couldn't even relate to. Maybe some of them are hu- humanoid enough for us to recognise. How are yeah. they going? How are they going to get here from the other side of the universe? Even if they are the most technologically technologically advanced people in the world, it's just that the, the distances are astronomical, literally astronomical. They're just mind boggling. And I've read some sci-fi. There's a guy called Neil Stephen, who's, Stevenson who said that. It's almost more realistic that interdimensional travel might be possible. That you could create some sort of like way of jumping between realities. If you believe in the multiverse theory, which has kind of been botched a little bit by Marvel, but when it's been done well, like Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man like No Way Home, it might be possible to jump between realities. So you're more likely to meet someone from an alternative version of Earth than you are to meet someone from the other side of the universe. Right. That's okay. where that's where scientific thinking is at the moment. Multiverse theory is more compelling than in the, the theory of interstellar travel. Okay. So I think that so, kind so, of stuff, the, the sciencey based stuff, is stuff that you can kind of get on board with because you know there's a lot of research that kind of goes into it, and there's not a lot to kind of disprove it. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say things that get suggested in films are to be disproved, but. Yeah, for uh, I think for example, films like Watchmen, they kind of do alternative universes, and yeah, they are very believable. Alternative reality. It's like if one thing was different, how would things play out? I mean, that's set in written in the eighties and set in an alternative eighties where Richard Nixon is still president, right? Uh, yeah, yes, and he gets a, a third term, doesn't he? Yeah, he he basically becomes president for life. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, because, I mean, obviously Alan Moore is a very dark imagination, but he said, well, you know, what what would superheroes actually do? What would people do with superheroes? How would it change history? I mean, that's I mean that's a different storyline, but, I mean, do you like alternative history, like sci-fi, alternative history storylines? Like, imagine a different outcome to World War Two. imagine a different outcome to this, that, or the other, and, you know, the present day being different because something happened differently. Um... Yeah, I like that kind of thing. It's um, it. I know it's obviously far fetched because there's a guy who's basically Doctor Manhattan, the inside of a nuclear reactor. But no, I do like that kind of hypothesizing. What if that kind of happened? Because 
it's set and it's it's a what if based on something in the past if that makes sense so it's not saying oh you know in 2028 we'll have this it's okay so Richard Dixon didn't get a third term but if he did this is what would have happened I like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's uh, it enables you to have fun which is what a lot of sci-fi films are actually doing it's saying look I think if you were to ask someone 40 years ago how much how realistic their predictions are they say I don't know I just thought it would be any I was just using my imagination do you know what I mean so don't don't let too much hang on it. But the alternative the alternative reality stuff it's a lot of fun because you can take you can take something you recognise and show it differently. Do you know what I mean? Show it you know show it happening differently. Those those what ifs are a lot of fun. Um, yeah. The uh, have you got a favourite like futuristic film? Have you got a favourite film that predicts that the the future ahead of us, the future yet to come? Um, probably something like Blade Runner. Yeah, I like the I like that kind of cyberpunky kind of vibe mm. that it kind of gives off. Probably that. Yeah, I mean, cy- cyberpunk has not had as many good films as I would like to have seen. That's why we did Neuromancer as a one that got away one time because that would be good. I do I do like that cyberpunky future. I'm not sure I'd want to live in it, but it's good to watch, right? Like Judge Dredd is very cy- cyberpunky, so the Dread movie with Carl Urban was very good as well. But that would be an absolute hellscape to live in. Oh, right? I know. I mean, a lot of the time, there's not there's not that much optimistic sci-fi these days. I mean, the Star Trek franchise is still knocking around, but you know, things like Interstellar and Minority Report, it's quite we're in a very dystopian era, aren't we? That dystopia, dystopia is what people want to write. Yeah, because it always seems to be doom and gloom. You never really see films that are like idealistic. No, like even Elysium, it's oh look at this. Look at this big floating hospital utopia in the sky, but everyone on Earth is fucking hating their life. Yeah, it's basically made all it's made all the things that are wrong with the world now. Even it's like it's predicting that it's going to be even worse in the future, right? Yeah. Have we have we have we explored this enough? Have we said everything we want to say about futuristic sci-fi films? I'd hope so. I think so. Yeah. If anyone listening's got any suggestions, you know, feel free to leave feedback. But I feel like we've given it a good cover. Yeah, yeah, in all the places. uh, Tell us about your favourite futuristic sci-fi films, your favourite prediction, any predictions for future sci-fi that you'd like to see in films. But uh, otherwise, I think we've had our big conversation, and thank you very much. That's all for this month's episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host, James Adamson. The podcast was edited in Audacity and hosted on Anchor FM. We are grateful for their continued support. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. Outland is widely available to rent or buy on the usual digital sites and physical formats. The story of David Finch's rendezvous with Rama is told briefly in Richard Braun's book, The Greatest Movies You'll Never See, and there is a screenplay review on scriptshadow.net. Outside of Double Reel, you can find us both hosting a non-film release podcast the adamsons versus our latest episode the adamsons versus the government is out now so this is me james adamson signing off and this is me james adamson signing off our next episode will be our regular episode 32 next month keep an eye out for any special episodes we decide to do in future if you enjoyed this podcast please like and subscribe and tell your friends until next time stay safe watch lots of films and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media and allegedly fuck warren Beatty. allegedly <laughs> Yeah, our lawyers will determine whether that stays in. Allegedly.